Welcome to the Eternal Connection, a radio broadcast ministry of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Whether it be through prescribed behaviors, rituals, or practices, every religion in the world teaches that if we desire to know God, it is our responsibility to find Him and know Him. Christianity, however, teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that God has come to us and has revealed His love for us by putting on flesh in Jesus Christ and by giving us His Word through which He continues to speak to us today. We're glad you've joined us as Pastor Jay continues leading us through the Bible right here, right now on The Eternal Connection. Once again, you are eternally connected, and we are thankful for it. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Pastor Eric J. from St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. I guess I should say now, like St. Mark Lutheran Church and School. That's right. Um, exciting, exciting. Uh, we are recording this um, a little bit earlier than you're hearing this episode, actually. Right. Uh, recording this on the first day of school that's now over, and uh, our new K-5 through school at St. Mark. What a wonderful first day it was. Uh, as I told uh, my mother, who was a high school principal, she texted me and she says, so how's it going? And I said, well, all the kids showed up and no one's gone to the hospital. It's a fantastic <laughs> first day of school. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, and, and just to give a little bit more information for the listener, uh, when you say first day of school, you you literally mean the first day of the new school that's here in Omaha, yeah. St. Mark Lutheran School. Yeah, and not just first day for the students, right. but first day for the teachers, first day for me, first day for the church. Yep, and yeah. it's awesome. And it's a, it's a very exciting time. So uh, by the time we record this, uh, or by the time this airs, I'm sure it will be another Great couple of weeks of school, uh, but if you're looking for a good place uh, to go, St. Mark not only sponsors this great radio program, but uh, a wonderful school, preschool, child care, and we just love getting the gospel into the ears of children because uh, they receive it so beautifully. Um, and, and us adults overcomplicate it so much of the time. We sure do. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Jason, you're with us too. How are you doing? Yeah, I just want to say a big congrats to you and everybody at the church and the school. We've heard about it a lot, you know, yep. personally, off air. So what an accomplishment. And otherwise, I'm doing good as well. Uh, family's good. Kids are good. Some are back at school. Some are too old to go back to school. So, <laughs> All right. <laughs> Very good. Well, we are going to continue our series and just get right into it because we've got a lot to get to as we continue our series. We've entitled The People of the Book, looking at some of the most prominent names and people and stories, their stories in Scripture and how that relates to you and I, who are also people of the book today. Uh, we're going to be picking up uh, the tail end of looking at Abraham, specifically his son Isaac, uh, Jacob, and, and how that whole story kind of wraps up. We spent a lot of time looking at Abraham last episode. And then, Lord willing, we're going to jump into Moses, um, another small figure in, <laughs> <laughs> that we hope we can get enough content in in one episode, but we'll see what the Lord has in store. So uh, open your Bibles, Genesis 22, we're looking at Abraham and the sacrifice of Isaac after Chip. You pray for us. Okay. Lord, we give thanks to you for your law given through your servant Moses. As it says, Lord, in Psalm 119, 18, Lord, open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. 
Lord, grant us willing hearts to follow your commandments. While we know that we do not always follow them as we should, Lord, you gave them that we can know that we are in desperate need of your love and your salvation, the salvation that only you could provide in the form of your perfect son, Jesus, in whose name we pray this morning. Amen. 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 All right, Genesis chapter 22, we're talking about uh, Isaac, and of course Isaac is the promised son of Abram, who was renamed Abraham, uh, a pagan who was chosen by God for no other reason than God's grace, kind of like Noah was chosen, kind of like Adam and Eve were created. There's no reason God had to create anything or save anything other than his love, just his grace and his heart. And Abram was chosen to be the father of many nations, as he is so named as Abraham, uh, which was part of God's prophecy of how uh, he was going to father a nation of faith. For salvation comes by God's grace through faith. And we read about that at the uh, end of chapter 15, how Abram believed the Lord and the promise that he gave to him. And God credited Abraham with righteousness, not because Abram was righteous, but because he believed the Lord and put his faith in him. A great quote from Oswald Chamber I shared um, a couple weeks ago in a sermon was that uh, faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God even when you don't understand his ways. And that certainly describes the father of faith, Abraham, and how he trusted in God. He believed God's character even when Abram's character failed and he doubted and he despaired, right? We read that last week. You haven't given me a child yet, God. You know, Eliezer of my house is going to be my child. I'm too old. My wife's too old. This isn't going to work out. And God said, uh, hey, count the stars if you can. Remember who made those. If I can do that, I can give you a son even if you're 100 years old. And after some more sinning that uh, Abraham and his wife Sarah uh, did in um, really denying their own marriage vows together, Abraham sleeping with one of his servants mm-hmm. um, that bore Ishmael, who we don't have time to look at, but them running out of patience with God's timing and trying to force it themselves. And uh, that did not end very well, and it never does when we try and take God's responsibilities into our own hands. But eventually, despite Abraham and Sarah, despite their sinfulness, despite their weakness of faith many times, even though they had faith, it was weak sometimes, God delivered on his promise, and he, uh, Sarah bore Isaac. And that's what we're looking at in Genesis 22. We're fast-forwarding a little bit. Um, after these things, the birth of Isaac and some other things that happen, it says that God tested Abraham in verse 1, and said to him, Abraham, Abraham said, here I am. God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. That's a, I I remember this, it's a pretty significant uh, moment in it's really powerful to think that you could take your child somewhere and, and as a burnt offering and a burnt offering is basically a sacrifice, sacrifice, ultimately death. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that's really hard to wrestle with in modern day mentality. 
Yeah. I mean, so when you're reading that today, that's a not an area that you read once or twice even. You know, it's something that you're sitting, think hard about for him to do that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think this is why, uh, you know, full disclosure and honesty, this is why some people think the Bible is a book of fables. Right. Because the thought is, how is that even possible? Well, it makes a lot of sense when you consider who it is we're talking about. God's the author of life. He gets to decide who lives, who dies. His judgment is perfect. And quite frankly, it makes, I think, even Christians uncomfortable. God has every right to ask this. He is the Almighty. He gave life. It's his to give. It's his to take away. God is not stepping outside of his bounds here. And, you know, at the time... Uh, Jesus had not been sent by God yet, right? Mm, yes, not in the flesh. Incarnation right. has not happened yet, correct. But the path that Jesus showed through death and, and faith in Christ, you live eternally. You're absolutely right, Jason. This is a huge foreshadow of what's to come. And you get that even in the language. L- listen to verse 2 again. God said to, to Abram, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and sacrifice him. Does that sound familiar at all? A lot, but I mean, it's exactly what we see later in John three sixteen. But he God did, so loved the world that He gave His only Son to be sacrificed, and He did. He followed what was asked of Him to a degree. <clears throat> oh no, He followed it through and through. Well, until God stopped Him. Right. Yeah. I, you said that better. Um, but what I, I'm saying is if we were asked that today, our outlook would be if we were asked that by God today, we, we have a different path at that point because we have Scripture and other things to lean on that he didn't at the time, I feel like. Right, which is why I kind of brought up that Oswald Chambers quote. How, how, why did Abram do this? How, what, what drives a man to, to do this? It is the deliberate faith in God's character, not in your own fear, not in your own sadness, not in what you want. It is intentional, on-purpose faith in that whatever God asks, even if I don't understand it, even if I don't like it, he's God, I'm not, it's perfect. And even if it hurts, I will come to understand and I trust God with that. That, that's what the world views as radical faith, but it's only radical because we presume that we have some sort of control over our life. And, and you see this when Abraham is taking Isaac up the mountain. If you fast forward to verse 7, as they're climbing Mount Moriah, Isaac said to his father Abraham, my father, Abraham said, here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? (laughs) That just, if your heart wasn't ripped out of your chest before, his son's starting to put two and two together. Like, we're going to make a sacrifice. We got the knife. We got the wood. Where's the sacrifice? And what Abraham says next is the incredible part. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. My son. Was God testing Abraham here? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we get that when you go to 
verse 11, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. So this is the angel of the Lord stopping Abraham from stabbing his son. He says, don't lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. We have to understand what God's doing here. It's not that God didn't know Abraham's faithfulness. Maybe even Abraham didn't know, right? And God is showing his faithfulness to Abraham first. And clearly Abraham already anticipated that this is not going to end like I think it's going to end because God promised it would be through Isaac that all the nations of the world would be blessed. So he doesn't know what it's going to look like, but he tells his son, God's going to provide it. I don't know how, but that's not going to stop me from being faithful, which is why Abraham is rightly uh, honored as the father of faith. And that doesn't mean his faith was perfect, no doubt about it. But he put his confidence in the character, the person, the righteousness of God over and above everything in him that was probably wanting to run back down that mountain and, and not go through with this. Abraham simply believed everything's from God. He has every right to ask for this. And that's radical to us only because we're sinners. And if I think if we learn, as Abraham did, to have that outlook on our life, it's then that God doesn't desire to actually take anything from us. He wants to give us more. Right. But he can't until we're empty enough to receive the fullness of his blessing. And that's exactly what's happening here. Because this is something Abraham's going to have to pass on not only to Isaac, but Isaac to Jacob. Jacob's going to be renamed Israel. He's going to wrestle with God himself. This is a lesson that has to be passed on, and this faith has to endure despite sinfulness, despite man's frailty and his broken faith. It's faith not in me or my failures or my doubts, but it's faith in God's character. When I think because we are living in our modern time on this side of the cross, so to speak, Jesus already died. He was the last sacrifice for man's sins, and the only one that took, uh, because he did that for us, we're not going to be demanded today to kill our son in sacrifice to God, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's, um, and and thank God for that. Mm-hmm. And, and let's not miss the point here. God didn't let it happen. Right. Yeah. Right? So, And, and I think we can't minimize that. Right, God did not ultimately take a sacrifice. Right? Why not? Because of His promise. And what you're connecting that to, Chip, is it's the same reason He doesn't ask us to fall on our sword. It's the same reason He doesn't demand blood from us. Is because He's already promised that the Lamb He's provided has paid for that. Right. And so we don't have to make that sacrifice either. And this transitions nicely into Moses. God doesn't require anything from us. But he does require trust and the faith and the the right worship of heart that says God should get anything he asks for. And if that's your heart, then even in what you give up, you're going to find more from him. Well, and I'm going to bring up what 
one of my favorite things that you say is that God never demands what he doesn't already give. What he's not willing to what give. What he's not willing to give. Yeah. So, so he gives us faith in order that we can respond to that way. That's right. Right. Just like he provided the lamb. Right. Right. He's going to provide what he asks from us. Yeah. And that's just more proof to he's not interested in what we can give him. Right. Right. He's interested in, in, in our heart. We can't offer anything to God. But we should be willing to offer everything to him if we truly know who he is. Right. Yeah. And that's an ongoing process. And so I think we should expect the same thing in our own life from God when we read this. It may not be, give me your firstborn child, but it may be, hand over your mortgage or the mortgage you want. Mm-hmm. Be better stewards. Where's, where's the 10% tithe, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's a struggle Christians have today, period. He may not be asking for your child. He's just asking for 10%, and it's not because God needs your money. It's because he wants your heart. And your heart is so wrapped up in those things, yeah. he, he can't give you everything he wants as long as you're holding on to those things that are going to die. And so that's where I think the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because Isaac's going to learn this, Jacob's going to learn this same thing, everybody's going to learn this. Whatever we hold on to that's not of God only deprives us of him. And that's why he asks us to give stuff up. It's not because he wants to take away. It's because he wants to give us more than we can fathom. Even if we have nothing. That's one of my favorite songs still to this day is uh, Elias Doomer's song. It's called Enough. Jesus, you are enough for me. Even with nothing, I still have everything. Because Jesus, you are enough for me. That's freedom. That's what Jesus said. It's for freedom I've set you free. And if, if, and if you think your happiness is tied into what you do or don't have, you're not free. Your happiness is tied into your eternal soul, the co- eternal connection, literally, that you have with your maker and that you're going to have for eternity. That's the faith of Abraham. So you mentioned uh, Isaac and Jacob. Yep. Moving right along to get to Moses. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, this is going to be a, a, a beginning introduction right. to Moses. Sure. Yeah, and, and, you know, there's a reason why I think Abraham and Moses are so connected. The Pharisees, fast-forwarding to Jesus' time, the, the, the keepers, uh, they weren't really the keepers, the teachers of the law, the everyday pastors, the Pharisees, and the scribes, by the way, and the, the political church, the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees, they all recognized that Abraham had great trust and faith in God. But when we get to Moses and this whole law handed down, things start to get muddied and confused because now they think because God gives laws, now all of a sudden our relationship with him is contingent right. upon these laws. And Jesus got so frustrated with them because he says, you don't, you don't even know who Abraham is, is essentially what he says. And what they were missing is the reason God gave his law, and you mentioned that in your prayer. So talking about Moses, we'll fast forward just a little bit. Um, if you turn to Exodus chapter 2, uh, God's people have been in slavery. Um, the Hebrew people, the Israelites, named after Jacob, who was renamed, they have been enslaved. And this is not new. This is what God told Abraham was coming. 
right? Mm-hmm. But that God would prove his faithfulness and his salvation for the whole world through his deliverance of his own people who were enslaved. And in Exodus 2, we're given the story of how Moses was born in a, a Levite, a tribe of people. Interesting to note that those Levites would eventually become the priestly tribe, by the way, in Israel. And when he was born, as was common, uh, not only back then, but you'll read about this in the Gospels too, when powerful kings or pharaohs were threatened by certain people because they had too many children and might be outnumbered, infanticide happens. Yep. And so Moses' mom, to uh, save him, really steps out in faith, and as I think most people know the story, puts him in a reed basket and sends him down the river, which isn't too far removed from the faith it took Abraham to bring his son up to the top of Mount Moriah. This is God's child, not mine, and I'm going to literally put him in the hands of God. And does God save him? Yes. Miraculously so. So to make a long story short, chapter 2 is filled with the miraculous birth and salvation of the child, Moses. <clears throat> and then when he grows up, he finds out uh, that he's actually a Hebrew. He's been led to believe he's an Egyptian because he's been raised in Pharaoh's household. And now with this knowledge, he's walking out in amongst the, the slave people as they're building bricks and slaving away in the hot sun for Pharaoh and notices an Egyptian guard beating the living daylights out of one of his Hebrew people, and he's filled with rage and kills the Egyptian soldier. And he knows what that means. Pharaoh's now going to come down on him. So he flees to a place, a desert called Midian. Um, And that's where ultimately he meets his wife and meets his father-in-law Jethro. If you turn to chapter 3, right in verse 1, who Jethro proved to be, uh, he, he certainly was not a, a Jew, but certainly proved to be a wise counsel for Moses <laughs> yep. in many ways as Moses is called to lead a people that, quite frankly, when God calls him at the burning bush, Moses tries to get out of multiple times. Uh, he's not very interested in going back there, kind of like Abram couldn't understand how he's going to have a child as old as he and his wife is, Moses can't understand how he's going to go back there as a wanted man for murder. Who thought that he didn't speak very well. Who probably had a speech impediment. Sure. And he's like, you want me to, number one, convince Pharaoh to let all of his slaves go by speaking. I can't really speak. Oh, and by the way, he wants me dead. (laughs) Now... I'm pretty sure God gives him a little help here, right? Absolutely, he does. Yeah, he gives him signs, right? And even after that, full disclosure, Moses is still reticent. So a staff that turns into a snake, a leprous hand that he puts it in his pocket, pulls it back out, and it's healed. Again, kind of like we see with Jesus and the Pharisees and the scribes and the unbelieving, you could see all the miracles in the world, but if you're not willing to believe what you've heard, you're not going to see him as miracles. Right. But God relents. He's merciful, just as he was with Abraham. He doesn't get Moses out of it, but he says, fine, I will send Aaron with you, and you guys can go together. Now, that ties back to something we've talked to before, I feel like. That, you know, human companionship, It's there's some sort of comfort in always having a friend or something by your side when you're going to do something fearful. It's even, like, more... Hey, who's the person I can take with me? Yeah. 
Yeah, and that that goes back to our original discussion of Adam and Eve, right? We weren't created to be alone, and that our sin doesn't undo that. God, in His grace, mercifully works around it, right? He works with, through, and for a sinful humanity to save a sinful humanity because he's got nothing else to work with, just sinners. And I think that's important, too, to recognize Abram, Moses, not stellar resumes. Right, yeah. These aren't guys that were worshiping God already. They didn't even know him. And, And that screams that the salvation they would come to preach has to be a salvation, even through the law of Moses, it has to be a salvation of grace through faith. It can't be salvation because I know God enough or understand enough about him or worship him enough because these guys didn't do any of that. This is one of the reasons that the patriarchal narratives were so formative for me when the Lord really grabbed me by the back of the collar and said, it's time to pay attention, son. And I could not get myself out of the first five books of the Bible because of the patriarchal narratives. And one of the things that had to get through my head was I knew my past. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even want to look at it. Nonetheless, have God look at it. (laughs) Well, he already already knew it. Well, right, but that's not how we think as sinners, right? We, We constantly think that we have to be good enough, we have to be justified, we have to have some special gift. And, and that's just our sinful way of thinking because we know we're not good and we have to make up for something. And the patriarchal narratives, we're certainly not studying them right now. But if you do, you're going to see men and women who constantly get in their own way, trip over their own feet, mess up, create problems. And the point isn't that. The point is a God who's faithful through all of it. Who, who never backs off of his promise. It doesn't mean there's not consequences, right? Moses is going to pay a big cost for not listening to God. God is righteous at the same time that he's loving. But it does show that this righteous, loving, forgiving God doesn't, A, need anything from us or require anything from us. All he asks is that we believe him and receive what he's giving freely. Our biggest error is to reject that and insist on ourselves, and that includes our own faith. Abraham didn't believe, Moses didn't believe, until God came and spoke the words that gave them that faith. And that is something I think has to be repeated ad nauseum to modern Western Christians, especially in America, who have turned faith into a law. And we're going to get into this a lot more in the next episode when we look at the Ten Commandments. But all Christians would agree we're not saved by what we do. But there's a large part that would say, well, except by the faith we do. Well, I don't know where you get that from. When you look at the people of the book, the most prominent names in Scripture, these guys didn't believe on their own. Yeah, they, they never went to God. God always came That's always the case. Because as Isaiah will say when we get to the prophets, all, all have fallen astray. No one seeks God. No one loves him. We only know God because he's graciously come and revealed himself to us. And how does he do that now? Even when it's done through visible means, it's always rooted in his word. 
We pray our time together in God's Word has been a blessing to you and to your faith in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior of the world. If you enjoy listening to our program, we would love to hear from you. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com. To find our full episode archive, contact us, let us know you enjoy the show, or ask a question that Pastor Jay will answer on the air. God bless all of you. We look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday on The Eternal Connection.